0: Just a heads up, this episode contains some strong language. In February 1992, Sotheby's in London auctioned everything in Robert Maxwell's apartment. The newspapers called it a grand garage sale. This was three months after he was laid to rest in the Mount of Olives in Israel. The cause of his death in Spain was still in dispute. But back in the UK, the colossal debt that Maxwell left behind was all over the news. So his personal items were being sold off to help pay his creditors, and everything had to go. Mixed up among household items like pots, pans, and a toaster was a director's chair with Maxwell's name on the back, apparently a gift from Ronald Reagan. And there was a collection of photographs of Maxwell with Jesse Jackson and the Mandelas from when they visited the Mirror offices. The auction crowd snorted with laughter when multiple copies of Maxwell's biography were wheeled out. An exercise trampoline, brand new and unused, was also mocked. The Sun newspaper, owned by Maxwell's nemesis, Rupert Murdoch, paid $2,000 for his monogrammed towels, bathrobes, and slippers, so that the next week, they could offer them as contest prizes to readers. The hottest topic was the sale of Maxwell's enormous double bed with padded headboard. The woman who bought it owned a country hotel in England. She claimed she would make it the centerpiece of a new scandal suite. When asked if she might give the bed a try herself, she said, I don't know where Mr. Maxwell's been, so i have to say no. The auction exceeded Sotheby's expectations. It raised nearly $900,000. But that was nothing compared to Maxwell's $4.4 billion worth of debt. The family didn't attend the auction. It was all too humiliating. Ghislaine was in New York. And it was probably a good thing that she didn't witness the sale of the mahogany hammer she bought her father with the inscription, Christmas 87. Love, Ghislaine. Today... In our final episode, we're coming full circle, back to Ghislaine Maxwell. As one chapter of her life ended with her father's death, a new chapter across the Atlantic began. You've heard the wild story of Robert Maxwell. Now let's look at how his daughter Ghislaine rebuilt herself in New York, and how her father shaped her life long after his death.
1: I remember being at a dinner party, and she was still being invited everywhere. People were still delighted to see her, and it sounds kind of odd to say it, but there was a kind of odd frisson about hanging out with Ghislaine because there was all the scandals surrounding her father, but it made people kind of intrigued to hang out with her.
0: I'm Tara Palmieri, and from something else, this is Power, The Maxwells. Episode 7, The Uninvited Guest.
2: Okay, I'm just tr- trying to turn my volume off my phone, which does not turn off, but... Um,
0: it's summer 2020, and I'm on a Zoom call with Holly Peterson. She's in her house somewhere in the Hamptons, wearing a white dressing gown, and I'm in my apartment in Brooklyn, trying to control my dog. Kind of weird. Oh, geez, Quiet, pancetta. <laughs> my dog is having a meltdown. Holly Peterson has kind of a regal air. Her father served as secretary of commerce in the Nixon administration was CEO of Lehman Brothers. Her stepmother is one of the founders of Sesame Street. These days, Holly's an author and a columnist for the Financial Times. She writes about the lifestyles of the East Coast elite and calls herself a social anthropologist of the 1%. And like many of New York's upper crust, she mingled with Ghislaine in her prime at fashion shows, fundraising dinners, and cocktail parties.
2: And I found her kind of... Strange, um, lively, amusing, charming, but kind of edgy in a way that felt a little bit off.
0: What did she mean by slightly off?
2: Dylan was fortunate enough to hook up to kind of the IV of the social juices of Manhattan and and feel its pulse and feel its vitamin-enriched electricity in her veins. And, and just obviously, Ghislaine provided that for people and, and sought it out herself. She was addicted to it.
0: By the time Holly met Ghislaine, she appeared to have moved on from the scandal surrounding her father's death. And she glided into the shadow of another mysterious man, Jeffrey Epstein. I wanted more specifics from Holly, like anecdotes from Ghislaine's socialite years in the early 2000s and then after Epstein's incarceration in 2008. I googled Holly and Ghislaine, but couldn't find any pictures of them together. But then I came across something. I saw that Ghislaine was photographed attending your book party, the idea of him in 2014. He was in
2: New York. What do you remember? Where? Where was that? Was it my book party or a, like, book event? It was your, it was your book party. Do you remember where it was? So it's a, it's a party
0: for your book, it's Four Seasons. She's attending in this bright pink tube top dress. I'm actually, I googled um, the book party and I'm looking at pictures of and She's in six different pictures. She's with people like Barbara Walters, Bob Weinstein. You know, she's with the who's who of New York society. And it, she just is, she looks like she's having a great time. I mean, in one picture, she's actually holding your book up, pretending she's reading it, like, almost like as an advertisement, like, she's...
2: Okay, all right, all right. So, gilan showed up at one of my book parties as a guest of someone, and in her typical ways, you know, tried to charm everyone in the room, know everyone in the room, and get anyone that really mattered to make sure her name was in, you know, the bold and bright lights of the city.
0: Ghislaine doesn't look like she's gay crashing at all. She looks like she belongs there. It reminds me of a picture I saw of her father from 1989. He's attending the millionaire Malcolm Forbes' 70th birthday in Tangiers, and he's wearing a full Moroccan dress, shawls, beads, and even a turban. It's kind of awkward because it wasn't a costume party. No one else was dressed up. Robert Maxwell just wanted to be seen. Maybe that's where Ghislaine got it from.
2: People who are really voraciously social will go to a party as a guest of someone, even though they weren't invited to the party, which is certainly what happened in my book party case. You see those people. You see the people who are kind of mugging for the photographer, and anyone in New York watches that happen at one of these events.
0: Ghislaine may not have been invited to Holly's book party, but that's not to say she wasn't receiving invites then. When I look at the same photo archive, there are tons of pictures of Ghislaine on the party circuit during those years. There are pictures of a 2013 cocktail party at her townhouse that she hosted for a tech startup. The evening was sponsored by Dom Perignon champagne and was filled with people. Holly wasn't at that one, but she did attend Ghislaine's parties in the past.
2: Everyone walked in and were instantly given a drink and brought into a few different circles at once so that they could wander on their own without having to be shepherded by her.
0: Meanwhile, Ghislaine would tirelessly work the room.
2: Ghislaine had a kind of ballet dance that she did that was kind of a choreographed dance where she would stand up and sit down and move and twirl and just kind of connect everyone in the room to each other obsessively.
0: While Ghislaine was connecting people at her own parties or being photographed at events, rumors were swirling. In 2008, Jeffrey Epstein pleaded guilty to procuring a girl below the age of 18 for prostitution and was sentenced to 18 months in jail. In 2011, Virginia Roberts, one of Epstein's victims, began speaking out. Reports called Ghislaine Epstein's fixer and Girl Friday. Ghislaine Maxwell denied all allegations. If the Upper East Side set knew about these claims, it doesn't look like they were shunning her or treating her like a pariah. Holly says she didn't know about the Epstein case until years later. Court documents uncovered an email thread between Epstein and Ghislaine from January 2015. In it, he seems to be calming her nerves about what those same people would say. He wrote, "'You have done nothing wrong, "'and I would urge you to start acting like it. "'Go outside, head high, not as an escaping convict. "'Go to parties, deal with it.'" And that's what she did. The party pictures kept coming until the end of 2016. Did the invites finally dry up? Or did she choose to step back? Maybe she saw the end was near. It's baffling to think that someone with so much to hide would be mugging for cameras for all those years. Or, just like her father, she was hiding in public view. Christopher Mason is someone who knew Ghislaine from her first days in New York City. He's an Englishman in New York, rarely seen without a bow tie. He's known around town for his lyrical comedy roasts.
1: I wear many different hats. I'm a journalist and I write books about crime. Um, and, uh, but I also was doing these songs at the time and, I, and, um, and I've started doing them again now. In
0: 1989, he met her at a nightclub in Manhattan. As soon as he got home that night, he wrote about it in his diary.
1: Tonight I met Ghislaine Maxwell, the daughter of the notorious English publisher. She's in fantastically engaging, funny, self-deprecating humor. She's really fun. I hope I see her again.
0: Christopher did see her again. A year later, Ghislaine was back in the city.
1: She had moved to New York. Her father had bought the the New York Daily News. And she explained that she was overseeing his investment.
0: Overseeing the investment seemed to involve going to a lot
1: of parties. She was a in contact with a lot of powerful people in the city. Um, She was extremely well-connected in London, but was quickly becoming very well-connected in New York.
0: Robert Maxwell saw New York as a way of escaping his problems in England. But as we know, his time as a media mogul there was pretty short-lived. He bought the Daily News in March 91. Seven months later, he was dead. I was
1: sort of shocked when I saw Galen in the fall, everyone was wondering, had he been killed? There was a, rumors everywhere that he'd been taken out by the Mossad and that he'd somehow been in, involved with Israeli intelligence.
0: After Maxwell's funeral in Israel, Galain chose to return to New York and to continue building a new life there.
1: So Galain was in this very strange position of being previously the it girl, staggering, well-connected, very dynamic, to suddenly being lost and adrift, and the rumors were that all the money was gone. Um, she invited me over to her apartment, and it was a small, modest one-bedroom apartment in the e 60s in New York, white walls, and it was completely unadorned.
0: That's the same place from episode one, where Christina Oxenberg attended the weird tea party that Ghislaine hosted in her underwear. She kept telling Christina that she was broke, and clearly she said the same thing to Christopher. But a one-bedroom apartment in Manhattan's Upper East Side is not broke by a normal person's standards. Regardless of the money, it's clear that Ghislaine was in a fragile state. One of Epstein's friends told me that she was borderline suicidal, And Epstein asked him to take her out to breakfasts and lunch to keep an eye on her.
1: And I really felt sorry for her because even if her father had been a total monster, there was no sense that she had been involved with any of his dark financial crimes.
0: Apart from that story we heard about how she ordered the yacht crew to shred her father's documents after he died. What did she say about his death?
1: She seemed pretty convinced that he had been killed. But she didn't offer up any theories of why she thought that. But she seemed convinced that her father had been murdered.
0: And did she ever talk about the pension funds and what her
1: father had done? Not directly, but I remember uh, being at a dinner party and she was still being invited everywhere. People were still delighted to see her. And it sounds kind of odd to say it, but there was a kind of odd frisson about hanging out with Ghislaine because There was all this scandal surrounding her father, but it made people kind of intrigued to hang out with her.
0: In London, the Maxwell name was in total disrepute. There were regular stories in the British tabloids about Maxwell's infidelities. A 21-year-old secretary claimed Robert Maxwell had seduced her. Another woman, this time a journalist 35 years his junior, came forward with her story of a seven-year affair. Kevin Maxwell, Robert's youngest son, was on his way to becoming Britain's biggest bankrupt. The Mirror pension scandal was playing out on the pages of the same newspaper Maxwell used to own. But in New York, Ghislaine seemed almost entirely untouched.
1: And I had a friend who was visiting from London at the time, great pal, and, and he suddenly realized who was at the table. And he was like, oh my God, Ghislaine Maxwell? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And he'd he'd been reading all the stories in the uh, the English press about how he had squandered the pensions of his workers, and he started singing, "I've lost my pension, I've lost my pension. Have you seen my pension?" And Ghislaine seemed aware of it uh, and was just sort of smiling but dismissing it.
0: Things just look different from New York's Upper East Side. In 1992, Christopher got an invite to a party Ghislaine hosted for her mother, Betty Maxwell, at Jeffrey Epstein's home.
1: Well, it was very odd meeting Mrs. Maxwell because she seemed like a civilized uh, French lady, kind of dignified. And um, she was saying, oh, we miss Bob so much. You know, he was such a wonderful father and such a wonderful husband, And that didn't seem to (laughs) jibe at all with what we'd been reading. Nothing at all like the monster we'd been reading about in the press.
0: A year later, in 1993, Ghislaine commissioned Christopher to write one of his infamous songs for Jeffrey Epstein's 40th birthday party.
1: He wakes when the cock crows while everyone slumbers. He rivals Einstein when he's crunching those numbers. Taught Martha Dalton, the naughty boy blushes, to think of schoolgirls and all of their crushes.
0: Christopher says that Ghislaine specifically requested that he include lines about the schoolgirl crushes and Epstein's 24-hour erections.
1: It all seems so jolly, <laughs> you know, so... Creepy in retrospect.
0: Christopher didn't question the suspicious material at the time. He trusted Ghislaine. They were two countrymen abroad. Jeffrey Epstein was in the picture now, and Ghislaine was beginning to thrive again. She was continuing the great Maxwell family tradition of schmoozing. But that wasn't the case for her six siblings. Anne Maxwell, the eldest daughter, had a fraught relationship with her father. Once, Maxwell said to colleagues... What have Anne and Pope John Paul got in common? Both are ugly and both are failed actors. After her acting career didn't work out, Anne became a teacher and then a hypnotherapist. Philip, the eldest boy, flew with his mother to Spain immediately after Maxwell's death.
1: At one point, I had a a, a private chat with Philip and we had to go and kind of hide behind a funnel so uh, nobody could... um, off with a long lens.
0: That's John Jackson, the mirror journalist who was on board the yacht. While snuggled behind the funnel, trying to hide from the world's press, Philip opened up to John about his difficult relationship with his father.
1: And he said how sad he was that he was never, ever going to have the opportunity to sit down and, in, 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 as he said, make up with his father, because he said, I didn't like my father and he didn't like me. But I would have loved the opportunity um, to have sat down and, um, and, and and sorted things out with him.
0: Then there were the twins, Isabel and Christine. Apart from Ghislaine, their story might be the strangest. Initially, they enjoyed great success in the dot-com boom, founding an early search engine before selling it off for millions. They both stayed in the tech industry. Isabel's third husband, Al Seckel, was a friend of Jeffrey Epstein's. He was famous for his books on optical illusions, and he claimed that he was a physicist, even though he had no degree. In 2015, his body was found at the bottom of a cliff. His death came just two weeks after an article exposed his financial fraud and mounting debts. Sounds familiar, right? The youngest brothers, Kevin and Ian, gave an interview to the Times of London in 2018 to promote a think tank they launched together. They talked about their, quote, extremely tough father and his twin obsessions of discipline and duty. When asked about their youngest sister, Ian sighed and said, Galane is Galane. Next, we return to Christina Oxenberg. In 1997, she had another strange encounter with Galane where Ghislaine revealed so much about herself and her motivations that it might help us make sense of where she is today.
3: I need for Jeffrey to see me differently. And I believe that with this book, he will have more respect for me.
0: Last time we heard from Christina Oxenberg in episode one, she'd made a swift exit from that tea party at
3: Ghislaine's tiny apartment. She's weird. She's strange. She's throwing her dog across the room.
0: Over the next few years, while Ghislaine was reestablishing herself in New York, Christina was busy writing a novel.
3: It's called Royal Blue, by the way.
0: The Goodreads description calls Royal Blue... The evocative and humorous story of a young woman seeking a physical and spiritual home among the parties, palaces, and jet-set lifestyle of a dispossessed, fractured family. Christina says it's semi-autobiographical.
3: So in 97, Royal Blue is published. It's a great fanfare, but only critically. It doesn't sell. But
0: someone was paying attention to the press.
3: Gillian read the reviews, and she went crazy. By now, Ghislaine had
0: an assistant who called Christina to ask if she would meet with Ghislaine.
3: I don't know why she wants to see me, but I know it's a job offer, so as a worker, I show up. So I go to her apartment.
0: It had been a few years since they last saw each other, but Ghislaine was over-familiar.
3: Very sweetie, charming, kissy, hugs with me. She's all excited. She's so happy to see me.
0: Christina remembers her in a silk top tailored trousers and kitten heels, kind of overdressed for your own home. She told Christina how much she loved Royal
3: Blue. She's got this great plan. I'm gonna execute it for her. While I stay quiet, I know it's hard to believe that I can do that, but I did stay quiet throughout the meeting.
0: Here was the offer. Christina could ghostwrite her autobiography.
3: Which I love, because it's such an oxymoron.
0: Ghislaine said, you will ghost it. I'm going to pay you a lot of money. I'm going to change your life. But the story Ghislaine had in mind wasn't about growing up the youngest of seven children under a tyrannical multimillionaire father who later died mysteriously. Just like her father's habit of rewriting his past, Ghislaine wanted to tell a completely different version of her life.
3: I need for Jeffrey to see me differently. And I believe that with this book, he will have more respect for me.
0: This mention of Jeffrey Epstein reminded Christina of a period in 1993 when she spent three months in an office working next to them. She wasn't working for Jeffrey. She was just using his empty conference room.
3: Well, obviously, I was a terrible person in my last life, and I've been struck with terrible luck. And here's a very good example. I was placed in Jeffrey's conference room as uh, just... Um, a place to work, uh, a job, of course, PR.
0: She saw Jeffrey and Ghislaine together every day in a professional capacity. And even then, Ghislaine was trying to signal something.
3: Ghislaine continually tried to make me believe that she and Jeffrey were a romantic unit, and I could see that they were not.
0: To Christina, Ghislaine seemed desperate for Jeffrey's affection.
3: She did for him, she, Mary Poppins. Is it Mary Poppins? No, the other one, you know where. Um, uh, do, 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 Eliza Doolittle. <laughs> she does that for him. She cleans him up. She makes him presentable. She she introduces him to Brooks Brothers, right? She shows him to, you know, you only wear your sneakers on the tennis court, right? Not to lunch.
0: Ghislaine was his number one employee, but he treated her with disdain. A former friend of Epstein said he would often berate her in front of guests, calling her stupid. He had a short temper too, just like Robert Maxwell. Christina says she didn't see him reciprocating any romantic feelings.
3: The harder she tried, the more I knew, there must be a reason why she's trying so hard to make me see what what is not there.
0: Why was Ghislaine so attracted to someone like Jeffrey Epstein? There have always been questions about their strange relationship that included so many other women. It's something not even Ghislaine could explain. In a deposition released in fall 2020, she was asked if she was Epstein's girlfriend. And she said, That's a tricky question. There were times when I would have liked to think of myself as his girlfriend. But back to Ghislaine's proposal. She went on about what her autobiography would be like. Christina was expecting to hear about Ghislaine's childhood and her difficult father. But instead, Ghislaine was more interested in talking about her relationship with Jeffrey Epstein. And
3: her stories were bizarre. She tells me that she has her helicopter license and that as a reward for her getting the license, uh, Jeffrey bought her a helicopter. And I think... Okay, cool gift, but not something I would want. Most girls I know are clamoring for an Hermes handbag. Why would you want a helicopter? Professionals crash regularly. Like, it's it's a death wish.
0: Christina asked her about this helicopter.
3: And she gave me an answer that I now understand, but I didn't at the time. She said it's... It, we do it because this way we have total privacy over who go, who visits the island. We, there are no loose lips this way.
0: Private islands and helicopters? It seemed a universe away from the destitution Ghislaine declared herself to be in just five years earlier after her father's death. Regardless of the nature of their relationship, Epstein had once again granted Ghislaine access to the kind of gilded life she grew up with. Christina kept on listening as Ghislaine made her pitch.
3: I haven't said yes. Here's her problem. Now she's auditioning for me. She's showing off. I'm a helicopter pilot.
0: And it got even weirder.
3: She tells me things that she tells me about Jeffrey's biological need confirmed by doctors. That he must have three orgasms a day. And I think, which chapter does she want me to put that in? She told Christina
0: that she needed to recruit girls to satisfy Jeffrey.
3: I cannot keep up with Jeffrey's sex drive. She tells me that she gets three females a day for him because he needs three orgasms a day.
0: Now this sounded off to Christina.
3: When Ghislaine again referred to the females as girls, and this is towards the end of the, of the third hour, I now lose my cool. I lose my temper with her. I'm fed up. I'm not interested. I'm not taking the job anyway. And I and now I confront her. Now Now I get angry with her and I confront her and I say, what are you talking about? What girls? Who are these girls? And she gets angry with me very quickly, right back at me. And she says, they are nothing. They are trash. Her words. Her words.
0: Christina was finished with the meeting. She didn't want to write Ghislaine's book, so she excused herself.
3: I still did not know she was talking about children, but I'm allergic to people who have no respect for basic humanity. It's just a turn off for me. (laughs) You know, call me a cream puff. It was like, I've heard enough. I'm out of here.
0: Years later, Julie K. Brown's reporting on Epstein for the Miami Herald caught Christina's attention, brought her back to things Ghislaine had told her all those years
3: ago. Once I saw that the victims um, had made statements where they said that to their faces, Ghislaine called them trash. And I was like, oh, shit everything she told me in 97 was true. And it's, she was saying it to them and they're, it's, they're confirming it's the same word.
0: With hindsight, it all sounded so obvious. In spring 2019, Christina went to the FBI with her story. It sounds as if Ghislaine would do anything for Jeffrey, but what did she get in return? Coming up, the mystery of Ghislaine's townhouse.
3: Look, Ghislaine, When we met, we were both broke. I'm still broke. You live in a townhouse. How did you do this?
0: Hi, I'm your inner dream monologue. And you're fast asleep, so I'll be quick. Great job using the Colgate Optic White Overnight Teeth Whitening Pen Before Bed. When used as directed, it gives you a visibly whiter smile in just seven days. So while I fly and talk to animals, you're removing teeth stains with ease. Sweet dreams. And when you wake up, keep on living life to the brightest. Colgate Optic White. Find it at all major retailers. While reporting on Ghislaine and her father for the past year, there's a question that I've been struggling to find the answer to. It's a question about Ghislaine's money. When she was arrested in summer 2020, the FBI said she had around $20 million in her bank account. The majority of that sum is thought to have come from the sale of her five-story townhouse. Holly Peterson, the woman whose book event Ghislaine showed up to, remembers attending a party there.
2: Swooping staircase, a lot of kind of marooned, rich fabrics, a huge botero, work on the walls.
0: By the early 2010s, Ghislaine had established herself as a social connector. And on this occasion, she was hosting a gathering for Prince Andrew.
2: And I remember talking to him for about 90 seconds and looking over my shoulder the entire time. I found it rude. I found it kind of like, who taught you your social manners?
0: Where do you think she got the money from for that, for that five-story house, townhouse?
1: Very mysterious. It is unclear whether um, it was a gift from Jeffrey or there was the persistent theory that... Um, while she appeared to be penniless after her father's death, that there was maybe some money um, stashed offshore that she was able to get access to.
0: Christina Oxenberg was desperate to know the answer as well.
3: I'm uh, bored one evening, I'm, and I was in a really bitchy mood, and I, was, and I just was flipping through my little black book. So I'm looking through, and I see Ghislaine's phone number, and I thought, you know... It's your lucky day. I'm calling you. So I called her and she said, come over for tea. And I said, send your driver. And she refused.
0: Ghislaine's driver must have been off that night. So Christina took a cab. On the ride over, Christina was thinking about Ghislaine's transformation from a broke debutante in 1991 into a wealthy socialite 20 years later. She had gone from a studio apartment to a five-story townhouse. Christina was curious to know, how did she do it? Christina met her downstairs in the foyer. She describes it as a circular room with a sweeping staircase and a black and white marble floor.
3: Ghislaine pointed to the walls. It's l'oeil as a library.
0: You know, those kind of visual tricks, a 3D bookshelf painted on the
3: wall the spines of books painted and she points at one of them and she says look at this and it's my book royal blue a blast from the past and all i know is that you know i've never liked you so if you want to fuck with me i'm perfectly in the mood right now to fuck with you so we go upstairs and we have this chat and um I'm being a bitch. So I said to her, so how are things with you and Jeffrey? Ghislaine
0: dodged the question and talked about her new boyfriend. She said he was a billionaire
3: and very kind. And then I say to her, look, Ghislaine, when we met, we were both broke. I'm still broke. You live in a townhouse. How did you do this? And she gets really twitchy.
0: Ghislaine was giving Christina a tour of the house a bit like the way her father used to show off his
3: yacht. And we're now, for some reason, walking around the kitchen and she's showing me the butler's pantry for no particular reason. She's stalling and finally she says, look, if you can put, if you can get $3 million together, I can tell you how to live on that for the rest of your life. That was not the answer to my question. She avoided my question completely. She gave me a very strange answer. And so I said, well, okay, great. Thanks for the tip. You know, when I get my three mil together, should it happen, I'll, I'll call you.
0: That was 2011. Christina last heard from her in early 2019 when Ghislaine liked one of her Instagram posts. Christina immediately blocked her there are still a lot of unanswered questions about Ghislaine and Jeffrey's relationship, her alleged crimes, and the mystery of her finances. Some of these details may come out in the trial later this year, but we can see the bigger picture now. Daddy's little girl filled in the hole he left behind with a similar man, Jeffrey Epstein. And while Ghislaine has always had agency and immense privilege, her life has been enthralled to two controlling men two men who both just so happen to escape justice for damaging the lives of those less powerful than them. Ghislaine's parties are over now. Do you think you'll see Ghislaine in prison or you'll visit her at
1: any point? Um, that hadn't occurred to me. Um, it would certainly be fascinating to see her, but um, I haven't made any plans. I'm not sure she would welcome visitors these days.
0: Can you tell me about Ghislaine's friends Have they stuck by her during this time?
2: I think that people who were very, very close to Ghislaine are obviously surprised. I do not consider myself one of those people, but I believe that the people I have come into contact with who were close to her obviously publicly say they knew nothing about this. And I have met some people who who feel that she needs to, to say her side of the story. Not necessarily that she's innocent because there's too many people who are corroborating the same story out there from staff to young women, but I have met some people who don't exonerate her, but they that they want her to have a chance to give her side of the story.
1: Close friends of Ghislaine have tried to impress on me and on other people that Ghislaine, was, in a sense, herself a victim. And that when she embarked on this relationship with Jeffrey, who was offering uh, a re-entry into a a world of power and money, that she didn't know what she was getting into. But after all, she uh, she is an adult, capable of making choices. And I'm sympathetic to the view that Elaine was led horribly astray by Jeffrey, but at the end of the day, she's not some hapless victim.
0: It just doesn't. She just doesn't seem like the type who would be coerced or forced into this kind of behavior. Like she must have seen some sort of benefit for herself.
1: I got the impression that with her father, she was who who was terrifying and demanding and could be. Uh, extremely difficult that with him she was so eager to please him and was in a sense a kind of supplicant to him depending on his good graces um and support and i can see how that could translate itself into being prepared to debase herself in order to please jeffrey as a replacement for her monstrous father.
0: Hey guys, we're getting towards the end of this season. I've now made two podcasts looking at the dark world that Robert Ghislaine and Epstein operated in, Power and Broken Seeking Justice. I thought it was time to sit down with my reporting partner from Broken to discuss all that we've learned in the last couple of years. So do you have any idea what Ghislaine really believes about her father's stuff? Okay, so that's a great question. That's next week on Power. What does it all mean? I also want to let you know that we're hard at work on the next season of Power. We have another amazing character who you think you know, but I promise you don't. I can't tell you who it is yet, but stay subscribed to this feed and we'll announce all the details very soon. Power of the Maxwell's is written and presented by me, Tara Palmieri. Producers are Paul Smith and Grant Irving. Story editor is Dasha Lisitsina. Our executive producer is Tom Koenig. Original music by Nolan Schneider. Engineering and scoring by Spoke Media and NPAL Audio. Our visual designers are Emma Lansdowne and Alex Elder. Special thanks to Ella McLeod, Joe Sykes, Russell Finch, Peggy Sutton, Steve Ackerman, and Mark Rivers.